I'm Rechard van Berg. And I'm Duncan McLeod. This is Talk Central, episode 141, for the weekend starting 15 January 2016. Talk Central is brought to you by Tech Central, where you'll find South Africa's best technology journalism. On Talk Central this week, we chat about Parliament's hearings in OTT services like WhatsApp. Also this week, Netflix plan to block VPN users, plus the continuing decline in PC sales, when will it stop, and BMIT's new report on South Africa's broadband policy, South Africa Connect. Also look out for our picks of the week and our winner and loser segment towards the end of the show. Indeed, let's get the show on the road. Hush, little baby, don't say a word. Daddy's gonna buy you a mockingbird. And if that mockingbird don't sing, daddy's gonna download you a bazillion things. With that pipe from Vox Telecom, you get free data between midnight and 6 a.m. every night. That's an unshaped high-speed internet lullaby for the ears. To get yours, visit voxtelecom.co.za. Oh, welcome to the show. Hi, Rehard. Happy, How's it? Happy yeah. New Year. Welcome back to the ground. I hope it's a good one for you. <laughs> yeah, no, this is going to be a, a cracker, I think. Yeah, it certainly got off to a bad start, I think, with the RAND and uh, the economy and the race wars and all the rest that's been going on. But uh, yeah, maybe yeah. a bad start is a good thing because it means the rest of the year can only get better. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Let's, let's, let's start off a bad note. <laughs> for sure. Anyway, as is customary, we're going to get the show kick-started with our uh, quiz. So... Uh, Five questions, uh, just for fun. No prizes involved, not yet anyway. Maybe at some point when we record the show live, we'll <laughs> look at doing that. But uh, just for fun at this stage. Um, so uh, just, a, um, I guess, a quiz to see how on top of uh, your game you've been. And have you been reading Tech Central? Have you been checking out the tech news uh, out there in South Africa and the world more broadly? So let's get it kicked off. I'll start with the first question. And that is, which South African operator has spoken out against the regulation of so-called over-the-top providers? Question number two. Name two of the three high-profile figures who have resigned from government's Broadband Advisory Council. Question three. MTN this week won an early court victory in its fight with the Nigerian authorities. What did the court decide? Question number four. Which of the following is not a Netflix original? Narcos, Fargo, Orange is the New Black, or House of Cards? Hmm, that's a tricky one. That's a tricky one, yeah. And the last question this week. Uh, what percentage of cell C will staff and management own under the proposed restructuring that was recently approved by the company's shareholders? We're looking for the uh, exact percentage there. Uh, so those are the questions this week. Um, and we'll give you the answers at the end of the episode, so stay tuned. But let's, uh, let's get on to our regular departments and um, let's start with the news. Yeah, it's certainly it's started off in a... been a busy start, hasn't yeah. it? <laughs> um, I think the first big news item this year was, of course, the, the launch of Netflix. Yes. Netflix in South Africa. Have you, um, you, you've been using it through Fine. VPN over some time, haven't you? Yes, yeah, so I've been a long-time uh, VPN Netflix user um, and I'm, I'm a little bit worried because with the, the news coming out now that they're yeah. going to be blocking all those things, um, I've been watching some of the local, uh, local version of Netflix and there's a fair amount of content on there. Um, in fact, I've often forgot to switch on my VPN and then obviously def- default to the local one. Yeah. I'm quite surprised that it works quite uh, fluently between the two. I mean, you can obviously have an account with, with any region, it seems, and yeah. it will default to your to your home country. Um, yeah, it's nice to see them here, but I really want them to, to expand on their, their, their offerings. Have you pl- played with the local um, the local version? Have you, have you had a chance to play with it? Yes, yes, yes. No, and then the, what do you feel about the, con- the range of content that's available versus the US? 
No, I mean, there's no comparison. Yes, it's really. by far superior. Mm. There's a lot more. Um, the local stuff, is, they have some good stuff on there. I mean, some of the Netflix originals, uh, and, and there's one or two movies that's actually not available. Or there's a whole bunch of movies that I haven't mm. seen on the Netflix uh, US site. Mm. Um, so I think I'll, I'll probably run through the content within a few months if I was a new oh, really? Netflix user. Oh, yeah. okay. But I, look, I think they will be adding a lot of content. I did read a news article towards the end of last year where Netflix said that they will be doubling their content worldwide on, on, on the, the stores. Yeah. Um, so hopefully with the, this worldwide rollout, then the next uh, um, f- point of action is going to be to kind of just up yeah. the, the content. Okay. Um, I mean, let, let's take away this VPN issue um, that Netflix is now threatening. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you... If you uh, you've used both the U.S. and the South African service now, yes. if you if you were a South African consumer who hasn't used Netflix previously, and you're interested in exploring it, what would you advise them to do? Would you would you suggest they start with the South African version and have a look at it? And oh yeah, definitely. Or, I think or would so, they, should they go straight to the U.S. version or through a VPN? Well, I mean, whether you'll be able to do that soon, I guess is the question. Well, but, let's assume you can. Okay, let's assume you can. Content, go for the US one, but if I'm advising my parents to sign up, yeah. I'll say go for the South African one. Okay. Simply because simply they're not the barrier of entry. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Okay. Unless I'm able to show them and train them how to use a VPN service like Media Hint or yeah. you know, Teddy, which it's, it's not difficult, yeah. but but you know how these things go. Sure. Um, yeah, US is still first yeah. prize in my books, but yeah. uh, I've, I've been presently surprised by the South African. And have you had a look at Showmax's content at all? I have. Uh, I haven't used Showmax for any period of time, so I don't know about the service and buffering okay. and streaming all those things and how yeah. well it works um, I think the South Africans the, the, the best option we have now is to have a Netflix subscription and another one like a show like I think you're going to yeah. have the best of both worlds then yeah. um, and then as soon as Netflix obviously starts yeah. ramping up uh, you're going to get the benefit of both so certainly the, what I've looked at um, between the services and, and certainly re- reading some of the um, blogs that are people and so, some of some of our readers have actually d- done some analysis of this. It certainly looks like Showmax for now is the better offering than Netflix South Africa. Okay. It seems to have a better catalog both in terms of movies and the number of TV series available. Uh, but there's still it, Showmax is, is, is no no match for Netflix US. Mm. Um, so I, well, I think what we've seen is Netflix launch in these all these new markets around the world. I think it's 130 countries around the world now, um, and I, I think that was just putting a peg in the ground and saying well we're going we're a global tv network now um i don't think they've put any thought at all yet into um into um you know differentiating their services for local markets um and i I think that uh, they they need to do a lot more work and so it will be doing a lot more work to get more content available once they've you know rights issues are sorted out and that sort of thing for example there's no orange is the new black or house of cards on the south african netflix because um dstv has the rights to those but you can be sure that as those rights come up for renewal that they won't be um offering them exclusively to dstv in the future yeah netflix will certainly keep those shows closer to their platforms Mm. um because this is going to be their selling point yeah um, but but I think something we've seen we have seen in other parts of the world is your best bet will definitely be to to have multiple streaming services mm. like you have a multi choice subscription and not that anybody would watch it but you have the SABC channels mm. you know there's this kind of uh, a mixture you you would want to mix and match those mm. uh, with streaming services it's exactly the same I yeah think. yeah for sure so anyway Netflix announcing um, this week that um, that they're going to start cracking down on on the use of proxies and VPNs and that sort of thing. Uh, to access um, the US version of, of, of Netflix. Now, the, I, I'm not technically not technically minded enough to know the answer to this question, but is that possible? Mm. And if it is possible using the current technologies, can the guys behind these VPN services evolve to get around whatever restrictions Netflix attempts to put in, in place? 
Well, it, it's uh, to, to explain it simply, I mean, there's a range of IP addresses that these services would use, and yeah. Netflix will be able to pick up and say, okay, these services originate from uh, these IP addresses originate from these servers which are hosting these uh, right. VPN servers. Right. Um, unless those guys, I'm, I'm, I'm sure it'll be uh, you can circumvent this at some point, and somebody will. These guys will certainly try because yeah. they will lose a lot of business. I mean, I'm sure a lot of Unitalia Media hence business is Netflix users. Yes. I'm sure. Yes. yes. Um, sure. Uh, it, it's going to be a yeah, a cat and mouse game, I think, to, to try and stay ahead of the game, as you get with any kind of yeah. pirating or torrenting or any yeah. of those kind of things. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they can, cert- they can certainly uh, pick up uh, pick IP addresses. IP addresses and, and yeah, be interesting to see how the VPN guys react to this once once Netflix decides to. Mm. And what's really interesting, I think, is that Netflix has decided to do this now once it's mm. gone into all these markets. Mm. It was never not in its interest previously. Yeah. It could have done this, but it didn't. Exactly. I mean, it, it had those it, it had those subscribers on its books, and uh, yeah. it made up for good numbers. But now that that they can subcategorize these guys into their own regions, yeah, um, it makes sense for them to do so. But uh, it's not a, it's not nice from a consumer point of view where you, if you've had that before, now you, you're losing out in the year's content. You yeah, know? yeah, for sure, for sure. But anyway, it's great that Netflix is finally in the South African market. Eight dollars yeah. a month starting price for standard definition, and I think it goes up to twelve dollars if I'm not mistaken. Uh, for 4K uh, content across four screens at the, at the same time, um, I, I guess you're not really going to be watching that unless you're on an FTTH connection. Yeah. <laughs> um, but um, th- those are the options that are available, and that's one, one thing nice about Netflix, which isn't available on Showmax yet, is the fact that you can get um, 4K content if yeah. you want it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah. It's actually interesting. I must go look at my account settings and see how that that breakdown works because I actually haven't. Even though I can watch the South African Netflix, it, it seems like my account is, is South African. When I go into the back end, it's still an American account. Okay. So they're obviously still classifying me as an American customer. Yeah. Um, but because I'm in this region, uh, I'll just get rooted to the local uh, Netflix service. Mm. Um, it'll be interesting to see what the cost differences is or if there are any um, as this goes on, you know, between yeah. the regions. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right, well, the other big story this week um, is uh, news which we actually broke on Tech Central about um, OTT or over-the-top players. That's a fancy term for companies like WhatsApp and Google and Facebook and all the rest of them, um, basically the Internet, uh, <laughs> for providing <laughs> services over, um, providing services over um, the telecommunications operators' networks. Now, um, there's been, there was a lot of debate over the last 18 months, uh, I think started by um, the former MTN South Africa CEO, Ahmad Farouk, who made some very strong uh, comments about OTTs, mm-hmm. um, saying that they need to pay their way uh, if they want to um, be on, on MTN's network. Um, Vodacom and, M- and Telcom have uh, not as, probably not as strongly as MTN suggests um, um, expressed its sentiments on the issue, but they've also come out in favor of regulation of some kind of OTT players. Um, now, at face value, this looks like the big operators complaining to their mommies because they've lost their, uh, they're losing revenue of, for example, SMS, a lot of SMS, person-to-person SMS revenue has moved off the um, mobile networks and onto WhatsApp. It was much cheaper uh, for consumers to do that. Um, And I think in part that's because the operators charged ludicrous prices for SMSs for so many years that they lost that business. If if their SMSs had been free or virtually free uh, or or, or a cost plus uh, a small percentage, instead of cost plus tens of thousands of percent, then, um, you know, I, th- I think that services like WhatsApp might not even, even have arisen. Mm. Um, and I think they're also jealous of the fact that um, they didn't come up with these products themselves, uh, that, that it's some third party that's taking advantage 
um, and, and they don't like the fact that uh, their networks are effectively being used as dumb pipes to, to, to deliver these services. And what it actually comes down to at the end of the day is whether uh, telcos are essentially just utilities over which other companies are going to profit mm. or whether they are these vertically integrated operators that offer the full ambit of services. Um, I'm in the former camp. I think that these com- these guys are going to become dumb pipes. I agree. Um, but they're fighting, and um, they want uh, they want these guys regulated as a starting point. Uh, they argue it's not fair that uh, you know w- if you're using WhatsApp to make a voice call that WhatsApp doesn't have to, um, for example, uh, pay the regulator or or, or, or have um, access to provide access to emergency services, for example, like uh, like they do. Um, they also argue that um, that these companies don't pay taxes in South Africa. Um, although a lot of these, you know, a lot of these um, services like WhatsApp and uh, and um, Telegram and others, I don't think make any money at all. Yeah, so yeah. I'm not sure there are any taxes to pay. But um, you know, I, th- I think this is f- fundamentally about the fact that the operators are, are worried that the, that they that these guys are coming coming in and using their data network to undercut some of their very profitable core biz- traditional businesses like SMSs and voice. I mean, this is a classical story of disruption, industry yeah, disruption. Exactly. Um, I mean, I guess in some ways you can also argue if they're not happy with over-the-top services, they they can also go after handset manufacturers for making these things that they can do all these apps. And yes. <laughs> to me, it's, that's, that's much of a much. You know, it doesn't make sense why. I can see why they want to do this because they are losing money. But it, there's there's no logic behind it if you look at the way technology works mm. um, and how these things came into to be. Mm. Uh, the evolution of these so-called over-the-top yeah. services, which in my mind is just applications on a smart device making use of internet broadband or mm. mobile broadband at least. Mm. I mean, maybe they've got some argument on, in that that these guys need to be subjected to local regulations in some some way, shape, or form. Um, but for voice services, I mean, do people really? If you if you're going to have an emer- if you're in an emergency, are you really going to pick up your phone and dial find dial an emergency service over WhatsApp? Yeah, <laughs> no, no you're going to make a phone call yeah, over exactly. the net, over the traditional cellular network. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm not sure. What, you know, <laughs> I'm not sure there's an argument there either. Yeah, to be quite yeah. frank. Um, and, and I mean, the voice services are still much stronger than data in many ways for, for voice calling. Exactly. Um, you know, you don't always have really good broadband reception or mobile LTE or anything like that. That may happen at some point in the future when you LTE is ubiquitous and the lines yeah, are really yeah. good. And But I don't think it's going to happen for many years. The default for people making a phone call for, for years to come will still be to place it over the cellular network or to pick up a fixed line. Yeah, yeah. Um, sure, for, making, for phoning your relatives overseas... You're going to want to use Skype because um, again, it came for out of necessity because the roaming charges were because the international ridiculous. call prices were so ridiculous, mm. and of course, it offers video as well if you want yeah. to use video, see your grandkids or whatever you want to mm. do. Mm. So um, anyway, this is all. Go- Parliament has now announced that they're going to have a, a hearing on this on the 26th of January. No venue announced yet. I'm hoping it's going to be in Johannesburg so we can attend <laughs> it. Um, but all the operators say they're going to be there. Um, we're not. I'm not entirely sure whether the operators have actually asked for this or whether the, the parliament, whether Parliament has decided to do this of its own accord. Um, I've, I've actually made, read, read mixed things on that so far. I need to check into that. But. Um, they're going to hold this he- these hearings on the 26th um, and I'm honestly not sure what's going to come out of it if anything um, but it's going to be interesting there's going to be an interesting debate and it, um, I think that, that uh, the big operators are, are um, at risk of um, losing the PR war here yeah. uh, Cell C I think has been quite smart 
they've said that um, regulating these things is a bad idea and that we actually want to work with these guys and I think they're putting themselves in the consumer's corner yes, uh, yes. Um, you know uh, Vodacom and MTN I think have done themselves no favor by um, you know standing on their soapboxes and shouting about regulating OTTs I just don't want the rest of us to have nice things <laughs> <laughs> but it's going to be a fascinating debate uh, you know even if it's down in Cape Town maybe I'll get on an aeroplane and go down there and uh, listen to some of the some of the arguments because I think it's going to be fascinating I do think yeah, I think that's going to be an interesting few days <laughs> yeah for sure anyway um, what else has been happening um, a new report um, out from Gartner, I think it was. In fact, let me just get it up on my screen here, so I've got the, the numbers in front of me. But um, looking at the PC market, and uh, we know that the PC market has been in, in, in a bit of pain for some time now. Uh, but um, in 2015, according to Gartner, the pain got quite a bit worse. Uh, I'm just getting the numbers up on my screen here. Um, where are we? Uh, worldwide PC shipments fell by 8.3% year on year in the fourth quarter of 2015, according to preliminary results of a new Gartner research. Uh, for the year, shipments fell by 8% to 288 million units. Now, the suggestion is this is happening because people are shifting to smartphones and tablets. And um, uh, in fact, Gartner points out that the, the decline in PC sales actually started when the iPad first came out um, and has just accelerated ever since. Um, it, it just raised the question for me um, you know, we, we've seen this massive decline, but I, I'm not sure it's only about the shift to mobile computing. Mm. I think it may also be the fact that. Um, if, Ten or more years ago, um, you you had to upgrade your hardware <laughs> quite often because the software just became much more powerful. Windows, every iteration of Windows was more powerful and required more resources. And I think that changed after probably Windows Vista. Uh, since Windows Vista, which was in the mid-2006 it came out, um, Windows has actually become lighter. Uh, up to Windows Vista, you had to ha have more and more powerful hardware to run the operating system. Yes. But since then, there's been a decoupling of that, and uh, Windows 7 was li a lighter OS than Windows uh, than Windows um, Vista, and I think Windows 8 and 8.1 were were lighter still. Uh, Windows 10 is a pretty fast, snappy OS that seems to run quite well on on fairly low-end hardware. Um, so I, I, I think while it may in part be driven by the um, the shift to mobile, particularly in the consumer market. Um, I, I think that people are probably also not upgrading their, their hardware as often as they used to, because, simply because they don't have to. Yeah. Unless you're a gamer, of course, which, uh, which is the way all the development happens. And, but then you just upgrade your graphics card. Mm. Um, I mean, when last did you do that? That's actually I, I actually did it quite recently. Oh, okay. Uh, but I hadn't, <laughs> I hadn't upgraded for years before that. Um, when GTA 5 came out, it wouldn't run on my, on my oh, okay. PC, so I had to get new graphics. So it was game-driven. It was game-driven. decision, yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't have upgraded that if, if it wasn't for that. Um, but... I think that I think that people are hanging on to their PCs for longer than they used to because they don't need to upgrade because the software isn't killing their machines. Um, so the question is, where does this bottom out? Where does this decline in PC sales actually stop? Uh, and I, I don't know the answer to that question, but it, ha it has to be a, an endpoint somewhere because, you know, people in, in office environments aren't not going to are predominantly going to continue to work on PC as a form factor they're not going to be using tablets and they're certainly not going to be using their smartphones to do their work um, so at some point it has to, this decline has to stop and even if it's underpinned by the corporate market doing refreshes yeah, yeah. Um, I think that you know a lot of corporates are still running Windows Windows 7 
some of them are still running Windows XP. <laughs> a surprising number of them are still running Windows XP. But I think a lot of them are, are sitting on Windows 7 at the moment. And, um, you know, I think that once Windows 10 is bedded down, perhaps when the first service pack comes out, mm. there'll probably be a, a, a pe- people will probably have a more serious look at um, um, upgrading from the older versions of Windows 2 to the newer ones. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've spoken to a few people over the last uh, few months. Um, and, and I was speaking specifically about about their computers and what they use, and if a whole bunch of people, especially in the older demographic, don't buy PCs because their smartphone, their iPhone six plus, or you know, any other smart device mm. or the iPad actually is more than sufficient because you can get your email, you can browse the internet, yeah. um, and mobile data or Wi-Fi is relatively easily accessible these days. Yeah. Um, so I think that does play a big part of it. Yeah. Um, Definitely in the consumer market. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. But yeah, we'll we'll uh, we'll have to keep a close eye on this and see what goes. I mean, it's not going to go away. That's for sure. I think no, the PC industry is not re- going to die. Just to restructure, yeah, yeah. become something else. Mm, mm. But computers also, I think the quality of computers have improved. I mean, mm. you can keep a computer for longer these days. You can. Um, and I mean, so many people use the internet. I mean, really, you only really need to upgrade your computer if you are in a, a design environment or. Yeah. Or a gaming environment where that those mm. this, the power matters. But yeah, or develop. Uh, again, if I look at my family situation, a PC, a, a notebook that I bought my mom probably six, seven years ago, yeah. still working fine. I mean, apart from you know some yeah. bodily scratch, uh, body scratches, or mm. some you know the body isn't as, as well built as what it should have been. But yeah. I mean, it works hundred percent fine. She does incidentally use her iPad more than anything else because mm. you know, it, it fulfills that same purpose. Yeah. Yeah, if I mean, if I if I didn't work in the in the IT field, well, I don't technically I work in the journalism field, but, <laughs> but I cover the IT industry and I, I, I I've got to use the technology extensively and I've got to write a lot, so I need a form factor that allows me to type. But if if I was someone who worked in a completely different industry and you know, uh, you know, I have a PC at work, sure, I come home, I'm not sure I'd actually need a PC. I could probably get away with an iPad yeah. or something similar just to check my mails or browse the web or do whatever I want to do, uh, play a game on the mm. iPad. Mm. You don't really need a PC at home, un- unless you're a, unless you're a techie. Mm. Yeah, I mean, what would you be doing in front of that PC, which is usually stationary in a room somewhere, right? Yeah, doing your email, which you can do in your iPad. Yeah, exactly. So now, or, the, your, the, or your banking, which yeah. you can do through an app. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Anyway, interesting. We'll, we'll keep an eye on that this year. I, th- I, th- I think it has to bottom at some point. In fact, Gartner was suggesting that um, perhaps towards the end of this year, we're going to see a. A shallow recovery in, in, in PC sales, some, some growth perhaps towards the end of the year. Hmm. Uh, I, I mean, the last thing that I want to ask on this is, is, is really what what has been. I mean, we know with mobile technologies, the, the the real hook there has been you know better technology under the hood than that kind of yeah. thing with small devices. But when you look at a PC, apart from the internals, what has what has there been that's really made me want to upgrade my PC to another one? Mm. Uh, there hasn't really been much. I mean, s- screen technology has been roughly the same, apart from you know, better resolution. Form factors remain. There's not really been a. I mean, in fact, your your disk drive and many new notebooks have mm. uh, disappeared. I think there's some been some innovation in laptop form factors. We've seen uh, these hybrid devices, these these things from mm. London Lenovo, for example, that you f- you can flip over at 180 degrees and mm. turn it into a tablet. Some interesting sort of ideas coming out, um, but certainly in the desktop form factor, it's gotten smaller. You get little boxes now that, that, that effectively are full-size PCs that you can just stick on the back of a monitor. I've seen that in some supermarkets now, in fact, uh, um, uh, that, that form factor. I know Mustek um, sells equipment. I think I saw, saw at my local supermarket the other day some they had they literally had a monitor with a little mustic PC stuck on the back of it. Oh, yeah. Um it's an interesting form factor, but yeah. I, I'm still a big fan of desktop. I um 
I, I work on I work on a desktop with three monitors. My primary monitor is a forty inch four K Philips monitor. I, I don't know how I actually worked on anything less than that previously. <laughs> Surrounded by two HD monitors, ten eighty P HD monitors on either side of the forty inch four K monster. Um, and I, I use that, re- that that screen real estate to its maximum. I have mm. email on one screen, Twitter on another screen. Uh, I'm able to, you know, through my peripheral vision on those monitors, I can just keep an eye on what's going on all the time. Mm. Um, I'm probably a bit of a unique case. I think maybe journalists and, 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 and traders need that sort of setup. Uh, well, I think a lot of people working from a desk environment that needs a PC that doesn't it, you know, you can have a notebook, but you don't have the ability to connect three monitors necessarily to mm. a MacBook. You know, it's yeah. a desktop PC from that point of view, in my, also is, is yeah. you can't touch it. Yeah. Um, I still have it. Well, I had a desktop PC up until last week when Lightning fried the oh, no. some internals. Um, and now I'm in a position where I'm thinking, do I do I upgrade it? Do I fix what's broken? Or do I just stick with my notebook and, you know, make do make with that? I don't really need a desktop, but it was nice to have a second machine that can do stuff when I'm not there. Yeah. Or, you know, take processing power off my machine that I'm using for design and development. Mm. But, um, yeah. yeah. The other reason I like desktop is um, I think it's the best platform for gaming. Um, uh, you, you, mm. you can really crank out games and like playing playing uh, the latest games in 4K resolution is, is just mind-blowing um, I know you, I think you can do that with the latest consoles if you've got a 4K TV uh, but but the, you know if you've got a high-end graphics card in your PC and a high-end processor um, the graphics you can crank out on PC make console graphics oh, terrible yeah, now. yeah. Um, so from that perspective as well, I think uh, I think gaming is, is going to keep the PC alive. Yeah. And I think a lot of early adopters, for that reason, especially on the gaming entertainment side, mm. uh, they won't, I mean, consoles are great, but they won't move exclusively to console because mm. you have so many more benefits on, on doing all those things on a desktop. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And who doesn't like tinkering with your graphics card at 2 o'clock in the morning when the driver's just crashed? Yeah. It's, yeah. it's a passion. Anyway, I lost out of my news section this week. Something I'm just going to touch on briefly because uh, I think it's worth uh, actually going to the website and having a proper read of the story. I had a fascinating interview with um, the guys from BMI Technology yesterday, um, and, and they spoke uh, in some detail about uh, the um, a, pro- a, a report that they put together, a 200-page report, looking at the um, technical and financial implications of the uh, government's SA Connect broadband um, project or policy. And they've gone into a heck of a lot of detail here, looking at uh, two models. Uh, one is a, a fiber-intensive model, and the other one is a wireless-intensive model for the deployment of telecommunication and broadband infrastructure um, across South Africa. Essentially, we're talking about the rollout in, into uh, mainly into urban, into rural areas rather, uh, in South Africa. And they, they, they spoke about what what's actually going to be required from a deployment perspective, and they've done quite a lot of research on this. And it's absolutely fascinating how much. Uh, investment in fiber is going to be necessary to to get this SA Connect project off the ground. Uh, SA Connect is calling to, uh, for the connection of all of all of government's um, facilities all over mm-hmm. the country, and that includes all schools, hospitals, clinics, police stations, you name it. Every government facility is supposed to be connected by 2030 at a at a, a speed of up to a gigabit a second. Um, so. Um, BMI Technologies described this as possibly the biggest, or the largest, one of the largest telecommunications projects ever embarked upon in South Africa's history, um, and and indeed the scale of this is absolutely massive. If they do decide to proceed with it, um, it's going to be hugely costly, um, tens of billions probably, if not more. Um, 
and they, they've, they've, they've looked at what ex currently exists, they've looked at telecoms infrastructure, and they estimate that there's about 30,000 kilometers of national fiber optic infrastructure in the ground already owned by telecom. The uh, telecom, of course, has been appointed as the lead agency for the delivery of um, this project. But they estimate that if they go for a fiber-centric model, uh, that um, the government um, or, or whoever funds this thing is going to have to deploy an additional 60,000 kilometers of national fiber. So effectively doubling what's currently in the ground. Now that's assuming you're going to connect every, every building in the country to fiber, mm -hmm. every government building in the country to fiber, of which, which there are 39,000 according to BMIT's estimates. Uh, so that seems impractical. <laughs> A little. <laughs> um, What's interesting, I think, is that um, even in the uh, at the other extreme where you go for an LTE model or a wireless model, <coughs> um, all the base stations as part of that project are also going to have to be wired yeah, up yeah. for the backhaul, especially if you're going to be trying to offer gigabit per second services. Um, and we know that wireless will get to gigabit speeds at, at some point in the next few years, whether it's for, through 4G LTE or, or through its successor 5G. Um, but their estimation is that um, even with a, the, the go to the other extreme and look at the wireless centric model, they argue that you're still going to have to deploy 41,000 kilometers of fiber <laughs> to hook up all of these base stations. So no matter which way you look at it, this is a massive fiber undertaking. Um, fascinating research that BMIT has done. So go and have a look at the article. The headline is uh, SA Connect can't be business as usual. Um, really interesting research um, and uh, I think worthy of um, a lot of debate. So um, if you're interested in that subject. Uh, please do go and have a look at that uh, look at that article and, and some of the research that uh, BMI uh, has done on that on that particular subject. That is the news. What do we do next? I've forgotten. Well, we can either pick our winners or our losers, or we can go straight to those answers and questions, questions and answers. Well, let's, let's do our winner and loser. Um, I, I thought uh, I pick the same company actually, winner and loser. And, and yeah, rightfully and so. Netflix. <laughs> The winner, of course, for, for uh, finally coming to South Africa and yes. to all the markets around the world. I think South Africa was particularly high on their radar. It just happened to be one of the markets they decided to come from. In fact, every, uh, as I understand it, every country in Africa now has access to Netflix. Oh. So um, it's not like we're in any sort of special position. Yeah. Um, so, well, well, well done to Netflix for coming to the world. Um, but uh, I guess uh, we need to pick them as our loser as well for not really bringing much of their content uh, that is currently available in the US to the rest of the world. Um, uh, we need to see more. Much well, more and for blocking those DNSs. I mean, and wasn't it? <laughs> those VPNs. Yeah, <laughs> indeed. Um, let so us tinker. Let us tinker. <laughs> anyway, I'm sure the VPN guys will figure a way out. Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah. Anyway, so that's our winner and loser of the week, Netflix. Um, and before we get those quiz results, which I know you're all keen to uh, to hear the answers to, let's do our picks of the week. What have you got, Rechard? So my pick is an app by, um, I'm sure you may have heard this name before, Derek the Bandit Richardson. I've heard of him. Doesn't he do techno music? Old school, yeah, house and trance. And, um, so he's just launched an app. He's actually not resident in South Africa anymore, if you, if you don't know this. He I lives did. in the Isle of Man, um, but still very active on Man. the music scene. Yeah, um, still very active. He does uh, a show on Mix FM. I yes, yes. He's still, he's st I think he's got, he still have a very big following in South Africa. But okay. uh, with the help of Kahiso Media, he recently launched, um, I don't think he's officially launched this yet, but I did okay. uh, snoop this out and I managed to find it. An app called Database. <laughs> um, um, and essentially what this is, is just a, a simple app with a play button um, and a mute button and a yeah. share button and it plays 24 hours 
um, of his mixes and and just new music that he that he's finally introduced. Um, and I think it's great. It's it's this is the kind of thing that makes the DJs uh, that that's really great for a DJ to do because now you have access to his music or the music that he plays. Yeah. Um, when you're in the mood for that type of music, yeah. with, without trying to pick a playlist. Um, mm. And uh, yeah, I've been enjoying this a lot actually. Just putting it on, playing it, and then whatever comes on happens. And uh, it's a nice, nice enough looking app. Uh, you know, it's simple enough. Yeah. Plug it into your car. Plug it into your half at home. Um, so you stream the music today. And the music, and I'm just pressing the uh, play button now, and it's streaming. Uh, okay. And I mean, obviously, what plays plays, which is yeah. what I like. So it's curated music from uh, from a DJ. Um, you know, you don't have to go looking for it online. Cool. If that's your nice sort of music, go check it out. music, yeah. Great. So, uh, my pick this week um, is a hardware product for a change, not an app, um, and that's the Jabra Sport Pulse. Um, as you know, Richard, um, I'm a keen trail runner. Yes, yes. And uh, I've been trying these out. They, they're pretty cool. I'm going to have a proper review up on them on the site in the next week or two. Um, but um, they're, um, they're wireless um, in-ear uh, headphones that have a built-in heart rate monitor. So it picks up your heart rate through your ear, um, which apparently is one of the best places in your body to actually pick up a heart rate, which I didn't know. That's very cool. Um, and they've, they've got a little cable behind them, but uh, they don't plug into a phone or anything. They're mm. completely independent, although you'll need to connect it to your phone to listen to music. Um, and you just literally run the wire behind your neck, and it's got a little volume controller on it. Uh, and you plug them in. They've got little, um, uh, I'm not sure what you call them, little... Um, uh, little plastic goodies that you stick uh, on it. Silicone, yeah, silicone. Yeah, exactly. And they've got a range of different sizes in the box, so that you can mm. get get one that really fits your ear very comfortably. Um, and if you do get the product, I recommend really trying all of them until you get the right fit. Uh, but it works really well. Um, I was surprised how well it worked for the um, for the, uh, the 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 integrated um, heart rate monitor, and it gives you all sorts of great workout programs. You can you can select what type of workout you want to do, whether you're you know, trying for speed, whether you're trying to build, whatever you're trying to do in your workout. It can, it'll it'll talk to you as you go and give you feedback on how your run is going and what you should be doing. Should you be pushing yourself harder and that sort of thing. Mm. But it also integrates beautifully with um, with your phone. I think it supports Android and iOS. Yeah. Um, although it says in the box, just made for iPad iPhone and iPad, I know for a fact that it works with Android very well. Um, oh, there we go. Download on the App Store. So you get the App Store app or the or the um, or the Google Play app, and uh, it then integrates with whichever music service you like. So it works works beautifully with Google Play Music, which I've been using. Nice. Uh, so I just download some phone some music through Google Google Play Music onto my onto my phone and uh, go for a park run or whatever. And listen to an album while I'm running around the park, and um, while this thing gives me feedback on what her, whether that's I should right, be running yeah. faster. If I want to beat my PB, you need to speed up. Um, <laughs> that's very cool. Yeah, very, very cool. Does it do any sort of music? Uh, does it work with the music? So you play certain types of music uh, if you want more upbeat kind of things, or I slow work. I'm not slow sh- sure the answer to that question. Actually, I need to do some more experimentation with that. I've only worn it a couple of times, um, but I'll check that out and I'll include in the review that I post on the site in the coming weeks. Um, I think this unit fetches 3,000 Rand. Um, that, that was the price I got before the Rand crashed, so it may have gone up a bit. <laughs> uh, um, if you are thinking of getting this product, then maybe you should get it soon before the before the stock, current stock runs out, given that we're now sitting at something like 1670 yeah. to the to the Jeez. dollar, which is frightening. Um, but a really cool product. I really recommend it. I'll, I'll have a proper review up soon, um, but if you're interested now, go have a look. It's called the Jabra Sport Pulse, and I'll put a link in, in the show notes for this show on the website. Good. Let's get back to that quiz. Do you want to pick off, pick up yes. the first one? So the first question: Which South African operator has spoken out against the regulation of so-called over-the-top providers? And the answer, of course, is Celsi. 
The second question, name two of the three high-profile figures who have resigned from government's broadband advisory council. So if you've got any of these, uh, two of these correct, then uh, you've got the question right. Uh, the answers are Sibosiso Sabisi, who heads up the CSR, Alison Gilwald, um, who's very well known in the telecommunications industry as a researcher, and of course Arthur Goldstuck, uh, who we all know very well. The third question, MTN this week won an early court victory in its fight against our general authorities. What did the court decide? The answer, MTN's bank accounts would not be frozen pending the outcome of this legal challenge of the $3.9 billion fine imposed by the Nigerian Communications Commission. So they're free to withdraw their money from that country if they want to. Although I don't think they're going to. Yeah. Uh, the fourth question was, which of the following, this is a bit of a tricky one, which <laughs> of the following is not a Netflix original? Narcos, Fargo, Orange is the New Black, and House of Cards? And the answer is Fargo. I don't know if you've seen the second season of Fargo yet. I, I haven't seen the se- TV series. I, I remember oh, the movie fondly yeah. because it was a great oh, movie. Oh, you haven't seen either of them? I haven't seen oh, the series. So I, need watch to, I need to get Both into of it. them are absolutely brilliant. Some of the best television I've seen. Excellent. It's the best television I've seen since Breaking Bad. Really? Yeah. Okay, okay. Then it's definitely on my list. The fifth question. What percentage of Celsius staff uh, will staff and... What percentage of Celsius will staff and manage... Management... <laughs> Sorry. That's <laughs> fine. Carry on. <laughs> <laughs> what percentage of Celsius will staff and management own under the proposed restructuring that was recently approved by the company shareholders? And the answer to that is 30%. 30%. Excellent. Well, um, that's all we have for this week. Uh, first show of the year. As always, if you've got any feedback, we'd love to hear from you. You can mail us info at techcentral.co.za or we'll leave a comment under the post. Until next time, from Rechard and myself, cheers. Ciao, ciao.